What's up, everyone? Tuning in to our podcast. It's been a minute. Uh, we haven't done a podcast in forever, but uh, we had to do one for our special guest today. Um, he's a, a a new friend, but feels like an old friend, a longtime friend. Uh, I have the honor and privilege of just hanging out with my brother, Nico Peel. What's up, Nico? How are you? Up, uh, man. Doing well, dude. Thanks for having me on, bro. Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you for hopping on. Uh, I mean, we've only met what this past summer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but just felt the instant connection. Uh, we had the privilege of speaking together at a conference. Shout out to uh, the Bishop Tory Harper and uh, his crew in New York. But uh, that's where we had the chance to meet, and and I was instantly just so encouraged by you and what you shared and what you carried. So it's an honor to have you, bro. No, bro. Thanks, man. It's an honor to, it's an honor to be on, dude. Yeah, man. If you could go ahead and, I guess, just introduce yourself a little bit, uh, just for people who may have, you know, who don't know you like I know you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, as Sam said, my name is Nico Peel, and I'm, I'm based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Born and raised in North Carolina. Um, uh, lead a ministry called Ignite Movement. We build gospel communities on college campuses, gospel communities, and United Movement. Um, we're about on 15 universities, mostly Southeast United States. And I mean, our heart, um, honestly, is just to see vibrant Jesus communities, communities that look like Jesus, that do United Movements. Um, we believe to see every student, young person, reach with the gospel and the love of Jesus on a college campus. It's going to take the church and the body of Christ working together. And so, um, so that's our heart is to really stir unity uh, among believers. Um, So I've been doing this for about um, almost 10 years now. Wow. Um, It's been an exciting journey to see um, lives transformed, but not only lives, but also to see campuses transform where um you know a culture of prayer worship and discipleship is becoming you know the uh the theme of a campus you know a campus and they know that jesus is alive and well that the church is 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 alive and well on campus and so uh so it's been a it's been a fun journey um also I'm, i'm married uh uh this past september would be a year uh, and it's been glorious, and we <laughs> are expecting a, a little baby girl um, in a few months, the end of the uh, end of January. And so, uh, so yeah, that's a little about myself. Come on, that's awesome. What are some of the campuses that that you guys are on? Just in case there are people listening and they're alone and they didn't even know Christians were at their school, but. <laughs> Yeah, so we're on several college campuses. Of course, uh, we're based here in Raleigh, North Carolina. So, Chapel, State, Duke, Campbell University, uh, Georgia Tech, Kennesaw State University in, in Georgia, Alabama, Birmingham. Uh, yeah, all, all across the Southeast. Yeah, come on. That's awesome. Taking over. We need you guys in the Northeast soon, sooner than later. When? Yeah, but that's so cool, bro. How did you even get started with college ministry? What was your, what, how did that happen? What was on your heart? How did it begin? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was really never on my radar <laughs> at all. And, um, you know, I went to, when I was in college, 
Um, I just remember walking campus and just seeing how dark the campus was and how really my peers and friends really needed Jesus. And so I was honestly just praying for God to move on my campus. And I got a um, email from the campus minister who asked if I could lead uh, their Wednesday night student prayer group. And uh, long story short, God showed up on campus, you know, that group that year became the fastest growing campus ministry. The second year became the largest. Wow. And we're seeing salvations and healings and miracles, uh, you know, daily. And um, it was just really, honestly, just incredible outpouring the Holy Spirit. You know, um, we really didn't know at the time it was, we were praying for revival. We didn't realize that we were in the midst of revival to kind of, you know, but looking back, we realized that we were, you know, in a move of God on our campus. And it was while I was in school that the Lord, you know, really put on my heart to see vibrant gospel communities on campuses all across America. And um, yeah. And and I had a, a moment encounter with the Lord during one of our gatherings and he told me, I want you to leave school for a season and give yourself as a missionary to college campuses in America. And um, I cried for like an hour. Only. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, but I, I told the Lord, yes. And um, that's how Ignite started. Ignite started. We started going to campus to campus, you know, preaching John 17 unity, calling young people to um, establish a culture of worship, prayer and discipleship on their campuses. And out of that, we began to plant communities and also um, invite uh, communities, grassroots student communities that weren't necessarily connected with the network um, uh, into our Ignite family. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so it's kind of how, how it all got started. Um, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun adventure. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, before, before we kind of get to the main topic of, tonight's interview that we're doing um i mean i'm sure college kids have never expected their college experience to be like what it is this year with covid and you know hybrid models and online you know classes you know what's something you would want to speak to a college student right now who might be struggling or wandering feeling hopeless you know what's a word of encouragement that you would want to give to them in this time yeah, yeah, of course. You know, this has been, just been an interesting year for so many of us, um, so many students. And, um, you know, depression, anxiety, all those things have always been high on college campuses. And with COVID, a lot of those things have increased, you know. But my, my encouragement will be to, um, to not allow your heart to become offended mm. with, you know, all, everything that's going on, especially freshmen who their senior year didn't turn out the way, yeah. you know, with, you know, traditional graduations and all that and now going to school and some are not staying on campus and doing it, you know, just, I was just not allow your heart to become offended that God is in the midst of all of this, that the Lord is doing something and we don't quite get it or understand it, but we will later on. Um, so to, so keep your heart, just after God use this season to seek his face, to grow in deeper friendship with him. Um, and also when you, when, you know, find opportunities to connect, um, 
with community. I know it's hard and difficult with the context of everything, but you know, students are still gathering. They're doing prayer meetings in their dorm rooms and worshiping and um, meeting off campus. And so, um, you know, make sure that you're feeding yourself spiritually um, and, uh, you know, the absence of, of community and, you know, spiritual uh, disciplines and things like that um, is just not a good recipe at all. And so, uh, so just make, make sure that you're feeding your spirit with, with truth. Yeah. That's so good, bro. Amazing. Wanting to kind of change and shift gears a little bit. Um, I know you recently came out with the book. Congratulations. I know a lot of hard work must've gone into it, but if you could introduce uh, the book that you helped release. Yeah. Yeah. So the book is called make us one. It's a 31-day prayer journey towards racial healing. Um, Each of the prayers are written by different uh, national Christian leaders, prayer leaders, uh, pastors, um, people who have been uh, pioneering, leading the efforts for racial healing and racial reconciliation for decades. Um, All of the prayers are scripture-based. And so we believe it's, it's really a the first step towards you know racial healing and racial reconciliation um as as it relates to the washing of our hearts with Mm -hmm. truth um and so um we've been already receiving incredible testimonies from people who's been going through the book each prayer is broken um up by days like day one day two day three etc and uh, we've just been getting incredible testimonies of how people's heart has been just the Lord has been opening people's heart in a way to, to see truth and to see, um, you know, their eyes being anointed to, to see his image in, in people. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so um, I'm excited um, just about more people reading the book, going through it and going on a journey towards um, racial healing. And I believe it, it starts with, with our hearts, the cleaning of our hearts. No, that's so good. I, it's, I believe it's going to be a helpful tool to so many, especially in, I mean, like we've been saying, this year is unprecedented in so many ways with COVID and uh, with Black Lives Matter and, and protesting and all of that. It, has this been a project that's been on your heart for a long time or and how did this all begin? Yeah, well, prayer, you know, you know responding to this issue with prayer and the cleaning of hearts has something that's been on my heart, um, you know, right around the time that a lot of the racial, you know, conflict and civil unrest began to happen and people were gathering, protesting. Um, we were gathering uh, people in our community to, to worship and to pray and also use the opportunity to preach the gospel. And, uh, you know, one of the practical things that we were giving to those who were coming to our gatherings was, you know, one of the first steps was the cleaning of our hearts. So it was actually after one of our gatherings that I got a phone call from a publishing company um, who, um, who said, Hey, we're working on this project. We want to, we're getting a lot of pastors and a lot of leaders that are asking us for some type of resource, prayer resource to take their members through uh, as it relates to racial healing and racism and your name came up and we want to extend this invitation uh, for you to, to be a part of helping co-compile 
the book. And so, so the book project was something that wasn't necessarily on my mind. Mm. So it was really was the Lord just really just open for, uh, it was very, I mean, it was out of nowhere. It was, you know, me and my wife was shocked by the opportunity. Um, but also was very thankful for the Lord. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so we actually did the project. We put a lot of work into it, but we, I got the phone call in June and the publishing company says, Hey, this is fast, right? And we want the book done by the end of July. And, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were, uh, so, so we, we put a lot of late night work and, uh, and so, but it came out uh, really great. It's amazing. A book that was, Short timeline, but also released in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Only God. Only God, right? <laughs> exactly. Man, that's so amazing. Who are some of the contributors that were on this project with you? Yeah, yeah. So um, we have very a, a huge, diverse group of people. I'll just name some of them. Um, uh, Nick Hall with uh, Pulse Movement, mm-hmm. the Generation. Um, Dr. Ronnie Floyd with the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, my brother, Jonathan Tremaine Thomas with Civil Righteousness. Uh, there's a incredible movement in Atlanta um, that is gathering churches around racial reconciliation um, called One Race, uh, One Race Movement. And we have uh, some of the leaders there, Josh Clemens, Billy Humphrey um, as contributing writers. Um, uh, David Butts with uh, uh, America's National Prayer Committee. Um, yeah, there's a few. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Amazing. Uh, we know that, you know, just like the testimonies you've been receiving, we definitely know it's going to encourage just to hear from, you know, the wider leadership within the body of Christ. I, I think one of the things that has always uh, encouraged me based on what you're carrying and, and the message on your heart is unity. And, um, you know, how would you personally define unity? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, Jesus prayer in John 17, he says, father, make them one as we are one so that the world would know that you sent me. Um, you know, I describe unity as oneness. Um, it's not necessarily uniformity and everybody looking alike and doing, thinking the same way and all that, but it's, it's oneness with God and oneness with each other. And I believe that passage in John 17, it gives us this vertical reality of reconciliation that our first responsibility as believers is to reconcile men to God. You know, second Corinthians five, it talks about it is through men, us that God makes his appeal through two men and then you put the ministry reconciliation side of us. So we have that responsibility to reconcile men to God. But once men is reconciled to God, they are brought into a family of God. They're brought into a new family. And I believe, um, I believe there is a lot of oneness that, um, you know, which is Jesus prayer that needs to happen within the church um, and I think at the end of the day is really, um, really seeing people, how God created them as the Imago Dei, the image of God, um, and really, you know, you know, getting, you know, t- uh, pulling away, taking away our, our 
isms, whether it's racism or colorism or classism or tri- tribalism. And I often think about um, the Azusa Street Revival, which, you know, so many, especially charismatic believers are familiar with, you know, one of the reasons that um, the revival ended was because of the issue of race. A lot mm. of white leaders, um, you know, was not comfortable with being led by a black man. Um, you know, so it wasn't necessarily outside influence or the spirit of the age or the world, you know, that caused the end of a move of God. It was actually the church. Wow. You know, and so uh, because of our division and I believe uh, the enemy knows the power of of the church oneness when we come together. Um, and so I believe that he's is working hard, working hard uh, and, and, you know, keeping us divided, um, you know, but I believe if anyone's prayer is going to be answered, it's going to be Jesus prayer in John 17. And so that keeps me hopeful that, that, um, this John 17 oneness and unity is going to happen. I heard someone say it this way, whether it's by, whether it's through revelation, crisis or persecution, Jesus prayer will be answered. And wow. You know, I, we all prefer that it would be through revelation. Come on. <laughs> Get it? You know, we're like, okay, let's go for it, you know. So, yeah, man. I, I tuned out after the other two answers. I just I just fixed on revelation only. <laughs> but yeah, bro, how do, you, how do you believe this book will serve towards unity? Like, why is racial reconciliation so big towards unity when people might be saying, but I'm not racist or, you know, I have... Uh, a friend of this color, this race, or whatever. You know, how does this book serve them? How does it serve unity? Uh, I'd love to hear your heart behind that. Yeah, you know, I, I would say, you know, you know, I'm going to put this in the in the, con- the American context. You know, there are historical sins in our nation. Um, you know, as a um, as a nation, we haven't quite dealt with it properly. You know, we have dealt with you know tons of other issues properly. Um, whether, you know, um, with Native Americans, with uh, the Japanese, um, even with the Jewish community, we, we provided, uh, uh, you know, some uh, reparation towards uh, the Jewish community for the Holocaust. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that we should do reparations. The point I'm making is that, um, you know, our nation have not adequately dealt with the sin of slavery and so that is still a wound in our nation. And I think a lot of times when we see um, things begin to emerge, you know, civil unrest and things like that, uh, to me, it looks like a manifestation of an unhealed wound, you know? And, um, and so I think there's a responsibility as the church um, to, um, to facilitate healing. That's why we use the term racial healing to facilitate healing by leading efforts of reconciliation um, and by leading the way by, and I believe there's a lot of practical ways that we can do it. Of course, it begins with a heart transformation, you know, but also I believe our churches and our communities and our families have to reflect the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is multi-ethnic and multicultural. We pray the prayer all the time on earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that's one aspect of it. It is the unity of the, the races and the ethnicity groups and 
Um, I would use the term ethnicity group. According to Acts 17, there's only one race, and that's the human race. And I think that's a revelation too. The church have to lay hold on as well because that that helps us as we relate to other people and not creating stereotypes and things like that. And um, also, there's redemptive giftings that the Lord put in ethnicity groups, just like um, just like we as individuals play different parts. You know, some are the hands, some are the foot and the arm and things like that. We all uh, play different parts and roles and it's significant, it's needed. And it brings about a sense of fullness when all of these parts are functioning properly, right? Um, and so I believe the Lord has built it that same way with ethnicity groups. There are certain graces that he put within ethnicity groups that they carry something that we all need. And so um, we cannot fully be who we are as a church, as a body, if we um, do not break free from tribalism, you know, and, you know, being around people that look like us or think like us or worship like us or their style of worship and things like that. And so um, I, I think this book will, uh, is, a, is a good tool in just really kind of helping us identify a lot of those areas where, um, where we're just comfortable in our circles, you know, and realize that the body is so much larger and God created the body in such a way that we are dependent on him and that we are dependent on each other. No, that's good, bro. What, 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 what are some practical steps that people can take, believers can take towards racial healing? You know, maybe they're not a leader. They can't get on the pulpit and, and, or maybe they're like, man, I'm, I'm just busy being a parent and juggling a job. You know, you know what could I do to uh, bring you know, steps towards racial healing. What, what would you say to that person who's busy, who don't know what to do, who feel overwhelmed already, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, in, in the book, Makers One, towards the, the last chapter, I provide some three simple practical actions that everyone can take um, in being a voice in racial healing and racial reconciliation. I don't think it's, it's not like a checklist thing, you know, it's, it's a journey, it's a heart you know, it starts with the heart um, and it uh, involves our, you know, our lives. And so um, here's just three practical steps that everyone can take. Number one, what I've already shared is through prayer, uh, we can be diligent in washing our hearts with truth. Um, I write in the book that uh, we cannot expect national healing or societal transformation Without first confronting our own personal biases and prejudice, we have to get real and allow God to deal deeply um, to, and allow God to deeply clean our hearts. We must continue to ask him to anoint our eyes to see and love his image in every human being. Um, you know, I think make us one is a, is a good um, reference point to, to keep our hearts in check in that free course. Is to build diverse relationships. Um, the gift that we give to each other is ourselves, our time, our conversation, our love. And I believe we must be intentional in building um, deep in our, our authentic relationship with people that don't look like us or think like us. And um, I, I just want to emphasize, you know, 
deep and authentic relationships, not, you know, not the checkbox, you know, I have a black friend, I have an Asian friend, you know, not, not just like reality of like, no, like let's do life together. Um, you know, uh, get to know them, hear their stories, focus on understanding rather than being understood, um, invite them into your life, into your home, invest in being a part of their lives as well. And as I mentioned before, strive for relationships that look like the kingdom of heaven, multi-ethnic and multicultural. Be willing to step out of our comfort zone and to build these type of friendships. Um, And the third practical step we all can take is to be a prophetic voice within our circles of influence. Every single person is planted in some type of space, whether it's in a home, a family, a campus, a city, you know, some type of, you know, sports club or whatever, we're all, we're all planted in some sphere of influence. Um, and I believe that the church is the moral conscience of our nation. Um, and uh, we can lift our voice in calling uh, our nation and calling our peers <laughs> into a higher, um, a higher moral standard. And so I believe um, that we can use our voices when we see issues of, of racism, um, whether it's based off race or people's class or, you know, people mistreating the poor, whatever it may be, uh, that we can lift our voice um, and to be a voice for the voiceless in that moment. No, that's so good. I, I, I know that was a lot for all of our uh, listeners. If you don't remember what he said, that means you got to pick up the book. that's what that means but no that's amazing i think you know i especially go to what you said about god cleansing our hearts and even what you said you know uh in the beginning of having a heart that's unoffended you know i think that's so crucial especially as um we're we're nearing the presidential election at least when we're recording it it's before the election We're, we're leading up to it there's so many opinions there's so many uh, people who, you know, if I'm real, are are putting themselves in a place where they're speaking for God in terms of what he wants to do in our nation and, and this and that and whatever. And um, I think what you shared is so crucial, having a clean heart, having an unoffended heart. Um, I, I know it's a little off topic from the book, but I think it deals with it. You know, how are you personally keeping an unoffended heart? You know, outside of the prayers and, and asking God to clean your heart, especially in this time where there's so much tension, uh, there's so much division, maybe more than ever in, in our lifetime. You know, we're both young men, but, um, you know, how, how are you personally doing that in this season? Yeah, you know, a part of, you know, something I'm doing to help keep my heart undefended is to guard my heart um, and, uh, and the things that I'm, intake, I'm in, intaking. And so, you know, I've been limiting my time on social media. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, You know, I have a lot of amazing friends and we we um, we disagree on a lot of issues. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's this temptation that you want to respond to everything. (laughs) So you have to, like, practice (laughs) self-restraint, you know. Um, But I think the biggest issue, I've just been guarding my heart and I've been praying. You know, I've been... um, you know, I've been praying for my friends, not, you know, not a prayer, like trying to change their mind. I think I've been praying for them like God's heart and God's, 
you know, destiny over their lives. You know, that's something I learned um, years ago when uh, I was struggling with this sense of jealousy in my heart. And, and it was such a weird feeling because I'm like, I've never, you know, had this feeling before. And anyway, it was just weird. I'm like, I did not want this at all. And um, so I'm like, you know, wrestling with the Lord with this. And uh, I feel like he tells me, like, I want you to pray every day for that person. Wow. I want you to ask me my thoughts towards that person. And so I started doing that. And every time I see this person walk through the door, the first thing to come to mind is all the things the Lord was speaking to me about. Right. And so I, 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 you know, since then I've practiced that um, and keeping my heart unoffended is blessing people in prayer and with my, with my words. Um, And also, um, you know, also just the back building strong relationships I've noticed, you know, because of some of the back end work of building strong relationships with my friends, it's easy for, you know, I can read something I totally disagree or have a conversation with them. I totally disagree, but there's no offense in our hearts because we have really, you know, built equity in our relationships over the years, you know? So I've been really seeing the blessing of the Lord and in that as well of, of relationships I've built and um, really, um, not allowing the political climate to, you know, to, um, to really change anything as relates to our friendship. No, that's so good. I think the challenge is, I think most relationships naturally form around similar interests or agreement, but you know, what you are suggesting here is radical because it's centered around love and love is about the other. And, uh, but I, I love it, bro. Thank you for sharing what you're doing, uh, just praying and blessing. Um, it, it reminds me of a story I heard from Bill Johnson, um, you know, pastor in, in Red in California. He says that whenever he comes across like someone criticizing him or bashing him or his church, he prays that they would know the greatest blessing in the world, which is to see uh, their kids and their kids' kids serving the Lord. Like that's what he prays, that God would bless their kids and their kids' kids that they would know and serve God. And that's what he prays for them. So, no, well, I love that. Yeah. But thank you, bro, for sharing that. Um, as we, I guess, kind of wrap up here, I, I would love to ask you this question. Um, you know, I'm an Asian man, Korean, you're a black man living in America. And I think oftentimes, you know, most of our audience is Asian American, you know, that's mainly our context. And I feel like, for many of us, we don't really have as much communication with the black community. Uh, but as one, you know, you know, leader in the body of Christ, as a black man, uh, as a fellow brother, you know, what, what's something you would want to say to, you know, me as an Asian brother that could kind of understand uh, and just be a brother, be a friend, be, you know, just with you in this season. I would love for you to kind of speak and share on that a little bit too. Yeah. <clears throat> It's a really, really good question, man. Um, you know, I, I, I think I was just share from my heart. Um, you know, this season, you know, with especially with the political climate and the civil unrest, I think for a lot of Blacks and African Americans with the, the history of our nation uh, in regards to that, you know, it's been... It's been really difficult for people to to get it or to understand. And I think, you know, one of the the biggest, you know, um, 
ask I've been asking people um, is, you know, the grace to practice empathy. You know, um, Reese Howes, uh, intercessor, wrote a book called The Intercessor, and he talks about the law of intercession. He says, um, he says there's this law of identification, agony, and authority. And, you know, Jesus Christ, he identified with us, and he, on the cross, carried the agony of our sins. Wow. And then he rose with all authority over sin, right? And I think um, as it relates to um, prayer and intercession, I think um, something that we all can practice is identifying with those who are in pain and those who are hurt, you know, to have empathy and to put ourselves in their shoes um, and also to feel the pain in that place and to cry the tears in that place, to mourn and to lament. And I, I've been sharing mourning and lamenting is great because Matthew 5, 3 says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comfort, right? So on the other side of mourning is comfort, is healing, is breakthrough, is deliverance. You know, Ecclesiastes says it's better to gather in the house of mourning than the house of feasting, you know? So um, to, to mourn, to lament. Uh, and I believe when we're able to identify to agonize, to feel the pain um, that will have, that will give us authority to wow. speak truth and speak into people's lives. And um, so that's, that's why I've been challenging, you know, my friends, you know, especially people of different contexts or just as hard as to understand and to, you know, figure out what's going on or how do we relate, you know, and um, I think a lot of hurt among Blacks in this season has been the deflecting from the real issue. Um, you know, there are uh, racial injustices. There's disparities that exist within our criminal justice system, within our educational system and healthcare system. Um, there are these things that, these disparities that um, are fueling racial tension in our nation right now. And oftentimes there's a response of, but, 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 you know, um, but fatherliness, but, you know, crime and people, you know, all these things like that. And I think, you know, when someone is mourning, when someone is, is grieving, um, those are not how you, you know, you can get to those points later, <laughs> but first you take time to identify and agonize. And, and I think that will give you equity to, to begin to have authority to speak truth. No, that's so good. Thank you so much for just sharing your heart with that and, and sharing that to, you know, to the Asian community. If I could speak on behalf of our, you know, our listeners, you know, um, and mainly our context, I think we need to be reminded because I think so often we get caught up in, in the, the hype, you know, for lack of a better word, where it's on everyone's social media page a few months ago and, and, because there hasn't been a, a headline or a huge protest, it often gets to the background. But I think you reminding us again and, and just sharing your heart, it just helps us to make this not a momentary thing, but a lifestyle where we want to be with you. And, and I'm grateful for you and your friendship, bro. And, you know, so glad we were able to connect and do this. But with that being said, 
you know, can you pray for us? You know, can you pray for me? Can you pray for our ministry? Can you pray for all those who will listen for that uh, grace to empathize and for God to cleanse our heart and, and, and however the spirit leads you, but, you know, please pray for us in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. First I want to say it's an honor to thank you so much for you know, inviting me to be a part of this. Yeah, Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the giver of grace. And grace is your enabling power to do what only you can do through us. Grace is you giving us strength to do what we cannot do in our own strength. And so, Father, we stand before you today as the, you as a, before you, the giver of grace. And we ask, Lord, that you would pour grace over our hearts and over our lives, Father. Grace to love you and grace to love others like you love them, Father. We ask, Lord, that you will touch our eyes, Lord, that we will see people like you see them, Father. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you will touch all of our senses, Lord, that we will see your beauty in people and we will see your beauty in relationships and in conversation and daily life, Lord, that we will see your beauty and we will see your leadership, God. And Lord, I pray over my brother, Sam, I pray over Pursuit and everyone who's listening on this, uh, to this podcast, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, for unprecedented grace, Lord, to be a voice of racial healing, Lord. Unprecedented grace, Lord, to walk out this journey of, of racial reconciliation, Lord. Jesus, that we will be your ambassadors, your ministers of reconciliation, your ministers of both vertical and horizontal reconciliation, Lord, that we will reconcile men to you and we reconcile men to each other. Jesus, we need you in this hour, God. Jesus, as our nation is just in a place of confusion, Lord, as, as cities, Lord, are have been burning and there's been civil unrest and and violence lord i ask lord that you will raise us up as the church lord for this hour lord to be the prayer that we will be one and that the world will know through the unity that we live out daily through the love that we the love we have for each other that we live out daily lord that the world will know that the Father sent you, Jesus. Lord, let our oneness be a witness and a testimony to the world that you are alive and well, Lord, and let it draw in the world, let it draw in the world to be reconciled with you and to be reconciled with each other. We ask for that grace. We ask for that anointing to rest upon us in this hour as you are looking for those who will be ministers of reconciliation in this hour. Lord, give us that grace to be the answer to your prayer. Yeah, in your mighty name we pray, yeah. Jesus. We love you. 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 And we worship yes. God with in spirit and in truth and with all of our hearts, God. We worship you, God. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, come on. Thank you, bro. How can uh, people connect with you, 
where can they get the book? You know, let yeah. Well, you guys can follow me on social media, Instagram, um, Facebook. Um, the book you can purchase from anywhere from Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, um, any place that sells books, you can get it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and also you can follow Make Us One Book on Instagram as well. And we're continue posting contents and quotes from the book and we'll be doing some, you know, posting some interviews with some of the people who wrote some of the prayers in the book. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. How can people also connect uh, with the movement that you're leading on college campuses as well? There's our website, ignitemvmt.com. We're also on Instagram as well. Um, you know, we, we, um, you know, if you have a heart to pioneer a movement on a campus in a city, you know, we'll love to talk with you and encourage you and champion you and any way we can get behind a resource. Come on. But thank you so much. Nico Peel, Night Movement. Book is called Make Us One. And uh, we'll definitely have you again, bro. We got to have you come up back to New York in person once COVID is done and we could get a gathering going. But uh, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you for sharing. Love you, bro. Yeah, much love. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we'll see y'all soon.